0: Good morning everyone and welcome to Julia Spare's Moving Markets podcast. It's Tuesday the 19th of December and my name is Helen Freer. A packed show for you today. I'll be talking first of all to Jan Bop about the latest market news. I'm also joined this morning by David Cole. I'll be asking him for his thoughts after the flurry of central bank meetings we had last week. And Tim Gagey also joins us today with a very festive review of FX markets for 2023. So do stay until the end for that. But let's start with a roundup of the latest market news. Good morning, Jan, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Good morning, Alan.
0: So yesterday, more Fed officials attempted to push back against how investors and traders interpreted Fed Chair Powell's dovish comments last week. How did markets react?
1: Well, Helen, um, I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of central bankers right now, to put it mildly. Uh, Although self-inflicted, they are having a hard time pushing back against the market's rate cut expectations. But they continue to try, and yesterday bond markets at least were moving into the right direction. Uh, Yields slightly increased across the entire curve in both the US and Europe. In the US, 10-year treasuries closed some were four basis points higher, but still below the 4% mark. Uh, in Europe, yields and government bonds increased to a similar extent.
0: Okay, and what about equity markets? How did they react?
1: Well, equities were struggling a bit for direction yesterday after not only Fed but also ECB officials pushed back against bets of aggressive rate cuts next year. Uh, interestingly, however, was that uh, US equities seemed to More or less ignore those rhetorical interventions with major indices ending the day in the green, uh, mostly driven by mega-cap tech stocks. Uh, On a side note, Helen, the so-called Magnificent 7 reached a new all-time high yesterday. Uh, European equities, on the other hand, uh, closed mostly lower for the day.
0: And why the discrepancy, do you think, between the US and Europe?
1: That's a very good question, Helen. I think one reason for the weakness in European equities was yesterday's weaker than expected IFO sentiment readings out of Germany, which uh, showed a decline in both business expectations and current conditions. Uh, this is just one more data point from Europe's biggest economy that is undermining hopes that a recovery will take hold already early next year. Uh, IFO president Clemens Fust said that the later data is quite worrying. I mean... We've been waiting for a recovery now for some time, and it's just not coming. Uh, consequently, the German DAX was amongst the weakest performers yesterday, closing 0.6% lower. Uh, U.S. markets, uh, as already mentioned, on the other hand, seem to be bulletproof. Uh, they kicked off the week on a positive note. Uh, both the S&P 500 and the tech-heavy Nasdaq were up 05 and 0.6% respectively, Uh, This was also driven by yesterday's announcement of M&A deals uh, with a total value of 40 billion US dollars and uh, uh, strong M&A activities is usually seen as a positive.
0: Okay, so for now then, market optimism is proving resilient.
1: Absolutely, Helen. Uh, The message for investors is clear. There is a path to monetary easing in 2024. However, there is uncertainty around the exact timing of rate cuts. Uh, David Cole, our chief economist, will certainly elaborate on this later in the podcast.
0: Great. Yes, I'm sure he will. Um, Let me come back now to the M&A activity you mentioned for December. The biggest deal that was announced was the one between Nippon and US Steel. So after months of uncertainty about the future of US Steel, the Japanese steelmaker Nippon Steel agreed to buy the company for $14.1 billion. Do you have any more details on this?
1: Uh, Yes, Helen. Um, A potential deal is already in the making since uh, mid-August. Back then, U.S. Steel, a stalwart of American industry with roots stretching back more than a century, uh, rejected an offer from rival Cleveland Cliffs for seven and a quarter billion U.S. dollars, which was followed by some dramatic weeks in the steel market. Uh, The deal now is, as you said, a 14.1 billion uh, U.S. dollar cash offer, so twice the Cleveland Cliffs offer. Uh, Nippon will pay $55 a share, which is a whopping 142% premium to U.S. Steel's share price just before the announcement.
0: And what was the interest here for Nippon Steel? Why was this deal attractive?
1: Well, Helen, Nippon Steel, which is the fourth largest steel producer in the world, uh, has been seeking growth overseas for already quite some time. And this deal will give it a significant foothold in the American steel industry and predominantly the profitable automotive market where US steel is a key supplier.
0: Okay, um, coming to today, is there any data due out that we should be focusing on?
1: Well, in terms of data points, it's actually a rather light day. Uh, We'll get final inflation data for the euro area. A quick reminder, November CPI data came in at 2.4% year-on-year, well below expectations. Um, But the final data should be unchanged. So no surprises to expect here. Uh, The most interesting bit, I'd say, is housing data from the US, i.e. building permits and housing starts.
0: Okay. Um, Now, last week was really central bank week, but this morning we had the Bank of Japan, the last of the major central banks, deciding on their policy rates, right?
1: Uh, You're right, Helen. It's hard to believe after last week's firework of central bank decisions, uh, but the Bank of Japan was still missing from this list. To make things short, Helen, as expected, the central bank didn't change their monetary policy path. However, it's just a matter of time. According to Reuters, more than 80% of economists expect the BOJ to end its negative interest rate policy by mid-2024.
0: And how did Japanese markets react to this decision then? And what about futures? How are they looking for the open today?
1: Well, the yen dropped quite dramatically after the decision, uh, and equities were up strongly. The Nikkei gained more than 1.3%. Looking at Europe, equity markets are poised to edge up across most regions. And also U.S. markets on a good way to bag in the eighth consecutive positive week. And uh, in this respect, statistics is on our side. The S&P 500 has closed higher seven weeks in a row, only 20 other times since 1964. And it's stretched the run to eight weeks, 12 of those times. So the chance that the S&P will end the week positively is a bit better than the coin toss. Mm. And with this, back to you, Helen.
0: Very good. Thank you, Jan, for the great roundup this morning.
1: Thanks for having me, Helen.
0: Now, David, great to have you back on the podcast. Good morning, firstly.
1: Good morning, Helen.
0: So there were quite a few central bank meetings last week. The Fed, the ECB and the Swiss National Bank all kept rates on hold. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, David. Let's start with the Fed. Also to note here was that they indicated that rate cuts are on the agenda. Obviously, we've heard from some Fed officials since then as well, as Jan mentioned. What are your thoughts on this, particularly when do you think we'll see rate cuts next
2: year? Yes, Helen, uh, exactly. That was the the, the big surprise that uh, they uh, acknowledged that they're discussing rate cuts. Uh, I think the wide expectations had been um, that Fed officials and the FOMC overall would send the message uh, which they're trying to send right now. Um, it's too early to discuss about rate cuts. Um, we have basically an episode of high inflation behind us. We are happy that it's coming down. It's not at 2% and all this stuff. Uh, but now, basically, the thought is out, and uh, it will be very hard, actually, to, to bring it back, uh, to, to, um, yeah, to bring it back that uh, these, uh, imid- this, these rate cuts are not imminent. For us, that meant that uh, um, probably uh, higher for longer, uh, that was the credo um, before this uh, FOMC meeting, is not that long uh, as we thought before. We have adapted our rate-cutting um, path uh, for, the, for the Fed, Uh, And uh, starting at already in May, not in September, that was our previous forecast, simply because uh, they indicated already uh, that uh, rate cuts will be discussed. And frankly, looking at the uh, fundamental situation in the U.S., it's okay to discuss uh, rate cuts. Uh, Inflation is approaching 2%. um, Interest rates, setting interest rates, setting monetary policy. Should be forward-looking, so not what's happening with inflation today, but in 12 months' time, in 18 months' time. And from this perspective, it's completely okay to dis- discuss rate cuts. It, of course, the communication had been such as that it was a, a start for a firework at financial markets simply because it, it, it uh, delivered another push uh, for risky assets, and probably uh, it went a bit too far Uh, in terms of pushing financial markets in the direction of risk on, uh, of risk appetite.
0: Okay, so we are now expecting the first rate cut to be in May, correct?
2: That's correct, Uh, in May, and then followed by uh, two other rate cuts uh, by 25 basis points each. And um, saying again or referring again uh, to the situation that financial markets are a bit ahead of uh, or are really pushed in this risk on uh, territory, um, you see that on money markets themselves, they are now uh, expecting much more aggressive uh, rate cuts, not this 75 basis points we have in our books, uh, but it goes like all the way up to 125 basis points. So two more rate cuts or 50 basis points more. Uh, this is now the expectations of financial markets, uh, given this surprise, which had been delivered last week.
0: Okay, um, moving on to the ECB. This was a bit of a contrast, although they also left rates unchanged. Policymakers in the Eurozone are firmly of the view that high interest rates are still necessary to fight inflation, right?
2: That's correct. And um, that was probably the expectations uh, for the ECB, but also for the FOMC. Uh, So uh, the surprise was here really uh, at the Fed. Probably the best explanation is um, that there is more flexibility in thinking and acknowledging that uh, probably interest rates had been hiked a bit too far on the US side. Uh, The European Central Bank seems to have their problems to acknowledge that because when we purely look at the fundamental outlook, uh, both in the Eurozone and the the US, then definitely um, you would argue much more in favor of rate hikes in the Eurozone, we have just heard. The IFO business climate uh, is still contracting. It's not recovering. Inflation did a big step down uh, in the November uh, readings, which will be confirmed again. And the uh, growth is basically non-existent. We are talking here about stagnation, whereas quite robust growth uh, is observable in the US. So from this perspective, you would probably argue, and uh, that's exactly our expectations, that the pressure on the ECB, to move away from this current level of interest rates, it's much higher. Uh, At the same time, we had to learn once again uh, that like this uh, flexibility in thinking and adapting to a new new environment basically that inflation is really coming down, that monetary policy works its way through the system by uh, constraining growth, uh, by constraining credit, it's much more advanced in the Eurozone. This uh, flexibility to acknowledge that is not uh, it's not there it's different in the eurozone and therefore probably discussion uh needs to continue there before the ecb start cutting rates we think they are ready uh, uh next year somewhere in april still ahead of the fed that's our expectations uh, for the european central Bank.
0: Okay, um, let's finish quickly with the Swiss National Bank. They stuck with rates at 1.75%. What were the key takeaways here and what are the implications of their meeting?
2: I think, um, well, it was a not very eventful meeting, so um, not much surprise from, from that front. Um, the big message is probably that the um, Swiss National Bank think they are, are at a neutral policy stance right now, and they want to stay there. Um, so inflation uh, will be hoover around 2%. Eh, and it uh, was a mild pushback against the rate-cutting expectations. Uh, eh, but the message was definitely, we have not overdone it with interest rate heights. Um, so we are at a neutral stance. And actually, we can stay here uh, for longer.
0: Okay. Thanks very much, David. Good to hear your latest thoughts.
2: I thank you, Helen.
0: And now, Tim, I hear that for our final call, you have a special Christmas treat for us all. I'll try and help you as best I can, and I hope your rhyming all
3: goes to plan. Thanks, Helen. The first thing I'm rhyming is freer, which seems to go well with a nice ice cold beer. And now, using rhymes like I usually do, let's wrap a quick FX year in review. It all started well. The dollar was weak. Like Dickens' house, the US outlook was bleak. And it all went so smoothly, right up to the summer. Then we missed the correction, t'was a bit of a bummer. The greenback returned on a rocket-powered sleigh, and New York shopping trip was an expensive day. But the fed chilled back down, like a nice fresh sunset. Not great for a bull, but sweet for a bear. So
0: far so good, Tim. Looks like you're on a roll. What about the yen? That got out of control.
3: It sure did. It got in a bit of a hole, and fell faster than snowflakes fall at the North Pole. It really was easier to believe in Saint Nick than in the bank of Japan hiking a tick. So if yen was the long you decided to choose, then you felt like the day after far too much booze. Far better the Swissy, the reliable Frank. Turned out you could take that one straight to the bank. And as usual, this elf made his usual bids to convince all our listeners to buy a few quids. Some ideas were good, some ideas were shocking. A nice misc of chocolates and coal in your stocking. But if with the sandies you had a quick go, that went wrong faster than you can say ho ho ho.
0: OK, Tim, not bad, but if I may be so bold, why don't you give us a few lines about gold?
3: All right, Helen, no problem. I'll try to stay mellow and find a few rhymes for what's pretty and yellow. All the major fun happened a few weeks ago when we were already all dreaming of snow. Dizzying highs, then back to explosive lows. Where are the creamy middles? Maybe Homer J knows. And we have to wipe sweat from our brows with a towel every time we hear Bailey, Laggard or Powell. Central bankers are rock stars. Or so it is said. I'd prefer they just took a hot cocoa to bed.
0: All right, Tim, the clock's ticking. Not much longer to wait. For next year, one more present? An idea that's just great?
3: The trade of the year for 2024. The one that will leave all your jaws on the floor. It is. Wait for it. Just one moment more. Ah, Sorry, gotta go. The postman's at the door. Helen, thank you for helping. Look what we've done. Wishing you Merry Christmas and oh so much fun. And the same to our listeners. I hope this brought you cheer. So once more, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.
0: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Tim. And Merry Christmas to you too. So that is all for today. Thanks a lot to today's guests and to everyone for tuning in. There are still a few days to go until Christmas. So do tune in again tomorrow. Bernadette will be your host tomorrow and she'll be speaking to more of our colleagues getting insights on what is moving markets. But for now, I wish you all a great day. Bye for now.
3: The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to wwwjuliusbearcom forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.
0: Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice.
1: Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.